All right. Welcome, everybody, to Two Putts Podcast. I'm Jake Landry. Nick Hoff here, brothers. Uh, welcome to another week. Happy to have you all here. And uh, we're going to start off, start off non-sports here, Nick, okay, with a new uh, a segment that we, we touched upon last week, which is something that happened in my building that kind of pissed me off for the sake of entertainment. You know, not walking around with too much anger in my heart, but I come in, walk the dog early in the morning. Same similar thing as my last story. Come in, push the elevator button to go up from the basement. Take a couple steps back, like to, you know, not stand too close in case people coming out and a woman walks in and she sees me standing there waiting for the elevator and she goes up and she presses the button. Like, do you just think I'm just standing here just hoping that someone randomly comes down? Like, is there any more action that's more passively, you know, maybe not passive aggressively, but passively calling me stupid? Not aggressively. What the, the closed elevator no, the button? Up button. Like I go up, I press the button for the elevator to go up to call the elevator. I'm waiting oh, okay. for the elevator. She walks in, goes to press. Obviously, I press the button. What do you think I'm doing here? Was it lit up? That's what I'm saying. Yes. Oh, dude. <laughs> it would have been on site, bro. So, I, so, we, so we get into the elevator and I'm like, first of all, you know, hey, uh, my heart's bleeding over here from from that, okay? And then she has the audacity to go. It's really getting cold out this time of year. I go, oh, now we we're now we can talk. Now we're equals. Now I'm at your intellectual level. Is that how it is? I, it really <laughs> it got my goose, dude. It was real insulting. I don't blame you, yo. <laughs> I would have been on site. I would have been like, yo, lady, the light doesn't turn on by itself. <laughs> What, why do you think I'm standing here, my friend? Let's be civil with each other. Let's not come. Like, why would we start a fight? Uh, you know, whether it's a, a, a cold war of sorts by pushing that button when you know I already have. And if you don't think I have, like, don't just go right for it. Stand there for a second and realize I'm an idiot. But to just assume it. I had a real problem with that, Nick. All right. Yo, dude, I actually I actually agree with what you're saying. Like, if you're standing there and it hasn't come yet, oh, maybe let me just push it again, you know? Oh, you did, I've where, seen where the you... push again. I've seen the push again. I've let that happen. This lady went right for it like I'm some type of diggling. Dude, and then she had the audacity to come say, yo, it's getting pretty cold yeah, out there is, on yeah, the warmest day of the week. Your heart. And I don't know how long it has been, but I'm feeling that. That's the coldness I'm feeling right now. In this elevator. <laughs> Dude. Okay. All right. Bro, I can't <laughs> believe she had the audacity to even bring it up on the warmest day of the week. Dude. She it said was, it too. It was, I was breaking a sweat, but not after she stepped over with her cold heart, which is our jam during soccer, dude. Cold, cold heart, Dua Lipa, Ellen John. Big fan of it. Nick, I came in hot on Monday. And that's like the disadvantage of doing Fridays is I, dude, I was ready and I was a little disappointed because I thought maybe I could get you at 735 Monday morning before we started school to do a quick pod about the Ravens because I was heated up. So I'm going to let you go first about their collapse, but then I'm going to say some things in the most respectful way, but also in like the, this is the reality. I'm sorry to say it, but I'm actually not sorry, but go ahead. I mean, yeah, so first off, let me just say, Jake came in on fire. And I you can always tell by the tone he gives the janitor. And he was he was going off on the janitor about it. And I'm like, yo, he's coming in hot. And I actually had to get work done. But I would have been down to do the pot in the afternoon. It was one of those days where Jake had the energy in the morning. Uh, or And I had the energy in the afternoon. Yeah. Burned just, out like we a didn't candle match for it up. me. By the end of the day, I was like, no, nope, yeah. my my anger has, has fueled out. The Ravens were an interesting case because what were they good at? They were good at running the football, right? So if you're good at running the football, I don't care if you're going against the best run defense in the league. You should run it at least 20, 25 times at some point. The Chiefs also had a bottom 15 run defense in the league. So, oh, dude, 
the playbook writes itself. We have the best running quarterback of all time, and we have running backs. I'm, I don't have anything nice to say about them, and I don't want to speak ill of them, but they have running backs. And you are the number one rush offense in the league. Oh, let's run the ball. How many times do they run the ball? Oh, Nick, you're probably, you're probably saying, Nick, of course they ran it 35 times. They ran it 11. 11. That's 11. barely double digits. And on top of that, Jake made a good point. It looked every time Lamar threw the ball, it was going for 40 yards. And that was the thing that frustrated me the most in terms of Lamar. So we'll start with Lamar. It just was so frustrating that because I, I don't mind the dropbacks all the time because running and that's where maybe I just when I watch football, the I don't get the line play or it doesn't interest me as much. So when a I, running is always like, oh, how can you ever get anywhere with running? It's just people running into each other like so I'm OK with a, a lot of passing, but you got to take what they get king or what they're going to give you and Lamar. They were giving you the quick slot to the running back. like, not, And that's the thing is sometimes screens are just so predictable that when you play that, it's like, well, that's not really – that doesn't really count. Like how about one where you are playing a play that looks like a long pass, but you know I'm going to dump this off and get six here. And we're going to do that six times during this drive and just keep moving. I, I just couldn't believe it, Nick. It was It was – I'm not going to tell you that I watched a ton of the Ravens. Like, we don't get a lot of Ravens games where we are. But it just it just felt so wrong. Like you said before we started, the Chiefs didn't win that game. The Ravens lost it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I saw a tweet, and I wish I had screenshotted so I can give this person credit, but let, Nick came up with it. This putz came up with this. There needs to be a case study done on teams that have success doing one thing in the regular season and then completely abandon it in the postseason. Like, you've established an identity, and it clearly works. They were the number one scoring offense in the league this year with a very good defense. They were the favorites. They should have won that game. And Patrick Mahomes didn't play out of this world. I mean, everyone was great. The Chiefs played played great because they won the game, right? So... But the Ravens should have won the game, and there's one player in particular who oh, let me I don't, oh, you read my I don't mind. have much beef with, but Jake, this man is the reason that Jake was ready to do a podcast at 7:30 on a Monday morning. Well, here's what I'm going to say in a more uh, level-headed way than perhaps the Monday podcast would have sounded. Um, there are moments in the game where you had an opportunity to win it, right? Where you had an opportunity to do something that could have won you the game. So if you don't capitalize on those moments, in some ways you could say those are the moments where you lost the game. And one of, I think, the key moments where Baltimore lost the game was the massive pass to Zay Flowers, where then Zay Flowers immediately stands over a player in an absolute blatant taunt. An absolute blatant taunt. It was the Nick. What number reception was it of the game for Baltimore? I think it was that was the fifth reception. It was the the fifth reception of the game. So think about this. They've played a full half. I'm pretty sure this was the beginning of the fourth quarter. So they have played three quarters and there have been four receptions. And then they finally come out and have a good play. And Zay Flower stands up and puts his junk in this dude's face. I am sorry, but if you're going to taunt and do that type of thing, when it's the fifth, listen, he had had a touchdown. He he might have been the one with the, the four receptions. It was something like that. But even still, your team's losing. Your passing game sucks. It's the fifth reception. What are you doing? So immediately going, instead of being on the nine, they got backed up 15 yards. Okay. That took precious time off the clock. They were down by two scores. I believe it was first and 10. Zay Flowers receives a pass and he goes out, extends the ball and 
kudos to the Kansas City defensive player. Punches the ball out. Fumble into the end zone. Kansas City ball. Touchback. It was the it was the moment we're going to talk about in the Detroit game. The moment when you knew it was over. And that was the moment. And I want to say one other thing. After the game, John Harbaugh said, John Harbaugh said, look, we preached two hands on the ball. And he had two hands on the ball. But this is what I'm going to say to you, Nick, is when you hold something out in front of you with two hands pancaked, like the way you're, you're, your, you know, older brother taught you how to catch a frisbee, catch it with the alligator, pancake it. When you're holding a football like that, it is so easy to punch it out. And it was just so unnecessary. That was the moment that Baltimore was done. Yes, Lamar Jackson threw the pick and that was the true nail. But that pick was like, okay, now it's really over. But when Zay Flowers did that, you knew, oh, man, the Ravens just aren't going to pull it out today. Dude, I was watching the game with um, a friend of mine, and he made two comments that really stuck out to me. He was like, he's a Patriots fan, so he obviously lived through Tom Brady just dominating. I feel like I talk about Tom Brady every podcast, so I'm just going to say that. But he made a good point. It's like, Mahomes, it looks like a sack, and he gets out for 11. And and I saw a picture. I don't know if you saw the picture surfacing of his bo- his body shape. He does not look like a peak athlete. Oh, with the he's belly. Got a yeah, dad, yeah, no, I yeah he's that. got a dad bod that. and all that. Which, not going to hate, bro. It looks better than me. But he was like, the, and then the other point he made was the the Ravens to win that football game. And he said this in the second quarter. And he said, the Ravens are going to need two freak plays that go the Ravens' way. And those two freak plays never went their way, and they lost. And look, I I do think the Ravens lost that game, but we do have to give credit to the Chiefs because they did shut down an electric offense, even though they weren't doing what, what worked for them all year. They still shut them down, and... They did what they had to do to win, so congratulations to the Chief. Chiefs. I'm actually happy to see all these people be mad about Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl. Like, dude, get over yourself. Yeah, and, and we're, we're going to talk a lot about that next week. It was originally what I had put on the schedule, and I was like, wait, let's, let's chill and do it right before the Super Bowl. But trust me, we're going to talk about all this stuff because it, there's some of it that's awesome, and there's some of it that's so annoying and stupid, it's, it's just embarrassing. But I'm happy for the Chiefs. I will just say this. I think what the Chiefs did really well was, yes, they played a very solid game. But they also intimidated the Ravens and did everything that needed to happen to let the Ravens play their stupidest version of their game. And that's what the Chiefs as a whole unit did very well, is the Ravens looked shaken they looked they looked too amped up they i mean on defense you remember when they had those stupid defensive flags there was like three in a row i mean the chiefs just played the game physically but they also played it psychologically as well and i like i've told you i i love patty mahomes i love patty mahomes oh and we'll end it on this dude six years from now six years from now okay you're going to have Patrick Mahomes. The math might be five. Going for the Tom Brady passing Super Bowl ring with Bill Belichick as the head coach, who has also accumulated three more, four more rings. Okay? I'm telling you, this Andy Reid, Bill Belichick connection, and this thing that Andy Reid might retire at the end of the season. Sounds like it's pretty real, dude. Because as of right now, and this is a tangent, but it is something that I did think was kind of noteworthy. It came out today, you know, Bleach Report on Instagram. Officially, Vrabel and Belichick, all the coaching positions are closed. They don't have them. But Nick, I feel like this Kansas City story is too delicious. And if Bill Belichick goes, Mahomes is passing Brady. With Belichick, you heard it here first. 
Yeah, from you. I don't agree. And that's all I'm going to say on that matter. Wow. All right. Well, geez. That was... I mean... I didn't mean to upset you. Look. Look. Here's what I'm going to say. The game is going analytic. And Belichick is... uh, He's a little old school. He's no Dan Campbell. All right. We can go there. You like that segue? You like that segue? We can go there. I, I was thinking about that that whole time. So here's what I want. And and that's it, why you didn't have anything to say. I see. So here's what I want you. By the way, preview. I'm going to get. We're going to get our hands on an IQ test. And Nick's going to give me an IQ test. And we're going to make a special report of it. So stay tuned for that. I feel like it's going to be really, really good. Um, Nick, give us the context of Detroit and their analytics department and like who they are in terms of analytics in football. Just set the frame for us before we talk about their game and everything that happened for people who don't know anything about Detroit, anything about analytics in football, tell us about the two point conversion and all the stuff that, you know, is going on right now with analytics and football. So just the basics. Yeah. So, so in football, when you score a touchdown, you get six points and then you can choose. So you can either kick a, I think they pushed it back. I don't know exactly how far it is. Let's say around 35 yards. Which but an easily is, makeable field goal. But it's pretty much a gimme. So I think the the success rate is like 94%. So a 94% chance to add an extra point. So when you hear someone talk about the extra point, that's them kicking the field goal. Well, there's another option to get a, two points. It's called a two-point conversion. And you run one play from the two-yard line. And that sounds like to someone who doesn't really know football two yards you could get that in one play easy yeah not so easy i i don't have it right in front of me but i mean great teams that are good on two-point conversions are at like 75 percent. so so analytics obviously would tell you you go for the two points every time and You'll like the, that's more points per possession over but a large sample. It's something like over 53%. Large, yeah. Like it's, it's worth, they're like, if you go for it every time you will ultimately win out is the point. Yes. Yes. Because it's a, it's a 100% point increase on the situation. So you only have to do it 50% success rate compared to the field goal, but whatever. No, you got it. But, but ba- yeah, I know I'm right, dude. But my bad. basically, the field goal is a gimme. So, ninety nine percent of the time, these coaches take the point, the guaranteed point. Well, Detroit, they they're not as crazy about the two point conversion. But there's also something you can do in football, and it's called going for it on fourth down. So in football, you have four downs or four tries to gain ten yards. Again, sounds much easier than it actually is. Um, but if you go for it on the fourth try and you don't get it, it's a turnover. So wherever that ball was on that play, the other team starts with it. So if you're close to your own end zone, which is where the other team scores, if you don't get it, a team and you go for it and you don't get it, a team will start very close to where they need to score, which is obviously putting you at a disadvantage. So what most teams do is punt, but now, when you cross the 50-yard line or the halfway yard line, yard line, analytics tell you you should almost, I think it's like a 97% chance or 97%, you should always go for it on fourth down because it increases your expected point value in the game. So, bringing it back to the Lions, the Lions were dominating the 49ers and... I mean, I th- they were doing everything right. Well, let's right. just also they... say really quickly, the Lions yeah. are one of the most analytically driven teams in the league. Yes. They have like nine yeah. people in their front office that are analytics. So exactly. At halftime, they were dominating. Dominating. So the third quarter comes, and again, they're dominating, and they get they're on the 49ers 30-yard line, which makes it about a 45-yard field goal. Really quick, which San Francisco had come down and kicked a field goal. So they were up two scores, as in two touchdowns with an extra point would tie it. If they kick a field goal, 
then it would be up three scores. They would need two touchdowns and a field goal, which that's a big ass, especially in that time in the game for them to get back. Dude, look at us, bro. It's like we're teachers or something. Dude. Explaining this, setting it up. Wow. So it was fourth and two. So there was a decision. Do we kick the field goal and go up three possessions or do we go for it? So psychologically, as someone who's played competitive sports, when you're down big, it's so taxing and mentally draining. And in the NFL, every possession is so important. So if they kicked this field goal, they would have been up three possessions, which means the 49ers would have needed the ball three times to score. Do you know how mentally and stop exhausted the Detroit and three to times. stop Detroit three times? Do you know how mentally taxing that is? And Jake's a head case. So if he was on the 49ers sideline, he would be like, yo, it's over. If they're kicking the field goal, it's over, bro. Let's just go to the locker room. Well, Detroit went for it. No, I'd, get, the I'd get really said, like punk, punky and like bitchy about it. I'd be really like upset about oh, it. Yeah, sorry. Is that bad? Over okay. over the point five. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> Like, nah, keep that I, in, bro. You don't edit that out. Uh, nah, so, so the, the the Detroit Lions went for it. Here's what I'm going to say real quick before we kind of get into that analytic piece and how. Oh, here's Jake, the thing. Jake's Long not story a big short, fan. There were two big fourth downs. Nick and I are talking about the first one, and then we're going to bring in Ben Solak of the Ringer, who is a dangling, but represents basically this analytics movement and i'm going to read you some of his piece on why detroit did the right thing and uh we're gonna just but before that i did the lions all season had been analytically driven and went for it on fourth down and did more i would say quote unquote risky things right or they're not they're not normals they're not norms to this day to be that aggressive on fourth down Unlike the Ravens, who ran the ball all year and then decided, oh, you know what, we're going to pass. Do I agree with the decision? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. I would say no. I, I would have kicked the field goal for the psychological standpoint of it. But at least they stuck with what got them there. So, like, we can talk about it and do and overanalyze and do all of this. But at the end of the day, the Lions were an aggressive team. And they continued to stay aggressive, which I appreciate just because I love Dan Campbell. <laughs> all right, so here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to say. A couple things about that. So first of all, uh, aggressive is an interesting word because when you're just playing probability and you're just being like, well, if I try this a bunch of times, like it's going to work. It doesn't feel like you're doing it in an aggressive way. You're doing it in just a nerdy, like, well, this is just what we do. So it takes the decision out of it. And in that way, it's really not about loving Dan Campbell. Like they need someone who's dumb enough to think they're going to get it every time. And that's what Dan Campbell represents. They're like, look, we want you to go for it every time. Just don't even ask. And like, he's like, oh, I want to go for it every time. Here we go. Big dog going to take a bite out of your leg. That's like an actual quote from him. Here's what no, he's going to bite their kneecaps. But bef- wait, yeah. before they get to the analytics. No, I'm not. I have something else on it. Let me, okay. let me say one thing. So, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I just, my issue was the play calls. And it's brought up in the article, but my issue really is the play calls because Detroit was dominating running the football. And all of a sudden, on fourth and two, dude, you were getting seven yards of carry. You didn't run it once. So I, had, I I just took exception to the play call. So, okay. Which, I mean, sure. But that's the risk you take on a fourth down and the pressure that you put on it is you have to pick the perfect play. So that that's the whole that's the whole thing thing, right? So that's the thing. The thing that I'm going to say is this. Tune in. And I'm a feeler. Let, let's just say that. Let me ask you this question, Nick. What do you think about going with your gut? I mean, I tell my students all the time. Your gut's right most of the time. Right. So, so as humans, the next generation, years after us, do we want them still saying, well, listen, I went with my gut? Or do we want them being like, no, no, no. The probability says that this is the best thing to do. So even though maybe I felt different, I had to stick with the probability. I, I think you and I are both gut people. So here's what my gut told me. So at the end of the first half, they were up 21 to 7. And 
they were down and it was fourth down and it was like the very end. There was like 13 seconds in the second half. And you could tell Dan Campbell, the offense was on the field. Jared Goff was looking over. What's the play? What are we going for? And I'm like, dude, you need every point you can get because here's the reality, Nick, that like is so obvious. And maybe we could say that Detroit let them back in or didn't prevent which what I think was bound to happen, which is that San Francisco was bound to come back. It's a playoff game. It's the NFC championship. They're San, they're for San Francisco 49ers. They were not going to get blown out. And wisely, they kicked the field goal. And I went, good job, Dan Campbell, because you need every single point you're going to get. So I'm going to be honest with you. Melanie and I were watching stuff. Next thing I look, and it's the other fourth down. So I missed the calamity, but I knew that it was going to come down to this anyway. So, okay, it was self-imposed, all those things. But I knew some random crazy playoff stuff was going to happen, and San Francisco was going to come back. So, again, that's my gut telling me that just that's just how these things work out. That's how these playoffs play. Okay. It's almost like you should gamble or something. Well, listen. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. So when I tuned back in, it was fourth down. It was fourth and three with seven minutes and 32 seconds left. They were on the 30-yard line. So what's that, a 40-yard kick? They kicked that field goal, yeah. and it's a tie game, and they're losing. Here's what I knew. No matter what you did, San Francisco was going to score on their next drive. That was obvious. If they came back, that means they're on fire. So no matter what you do, you have to at least tie them because they are going to score. There's no doubt they're not. Wish I had put the mortgage on it because I knew they would. They did. CMC. Okay, but here's the thing. So now let's bring in Ben Solak of The Ringer, who we have very little respect for but let's let him give his words so he's talking about their collapse (laughs) so there was like a fumble here this and that so it started when there were some freak plays there were some freak plays but again i knew that was if you watch enough playoffs that's what we come that's why we love those games because crazy shit stuff happens okay so my bad on my bad on that one um, yo, we're out. Yo, the Vegas under so Jameer is feeling Gibbs, bad. So Jameer Gibbs fumbled and he starts. This was the real swing right here. This is the moment when the 49ers swelling tide became a torrent. The Lions lost 5.5 expected points on this play alone. More than the 3.3 expected points lost on the Vildor face mask, Ayuk reception, and more than the 3.2 expected points lost on the failed fourth down conversion. Every adult who works at Dwight, I'm so sorry we are putting you through listening to this baloney, but think of how ridiculous, like people read this and go, oh yeah, 3.2 expected points, that's good, that's good getting right there. And more than the 2.6 expected points lost on the fourth down conversion attempt. This is what I'm talking about. Down by three on the 49ers 30 yard line. Fourth and three was seven minutes and 32 left in the fourth quarter. Nick, did I just give you enough to at least doubt that maybe they should have gone for it to tie the game? Because again, like I just said, San Francisco was bound to score. I should have put the mortgage on it. There's at least some doubt. Well, here's what Solak says. This is a clear spot to go for it. Next Gen Sports had the Lions with a 32.7% chance to win the game when going for it. Even if they don't get it, I added. (laughs) Whereas they had only a 30.2% chance to win when kicking the field goal. And guess what? It's a Uh, 0.0 chance if they don't convert, by the way, Nick. But uh, Annalise doesn't think about bad outcomes. This was the right decision from Campbell. It is not up for debate. It is not a gray area. The Lions were made more likely to win by this choice. Isn't that the whole objective of being the head coach? Nick, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my G-darn life. That, here's the thing. If you want to say that there's an analytical... Because, Nick, can we talk about reality for a second? Did they win that game? 
No. Oh, okay. So, so, okay. So, is it possible that they made decisions that were wrong? Yeah. Okay. Could this have been one of those decisions? Yeah. So how well, is that's where I take so how is someone who's so interested in analytics and data and exactness and tracking things make a statement that effing stupid? Go ahead, explain it to me because I'm upset. Well, I actually think if you're like a nerd, like a sports nerd, and typically what I've seen about sports nerds is they don't actually play the sport, um, so they don't get that psychological aspect it's really all just numbers um it's not that they funny. don't get it they dismiss it as irrelevant and that's the problem yeah but do they i guess but do they also dismiss it as irrelevant because they don't get it and they're like well numbers don't lie people do fair enough uh no so what i really took exception to that is that last thing you just said this is not up for debate. It was a decision. And guess what? A lot of decisions, no matter what analytics say, what numbers say, are up for debate. So I'm, I'm just like in awe. Yes, the analytics said to go for it. But we're not putting the psychological pressure of I need the ball three times and we need to stop them three times on an offense that was pretty much humming, and I know they didn't score in the second half, but it's because of some fourth down miscues. I do think there were some fluke plays. This Brandon Ayuk catch where he caught it off the thing. Yeah, that stunk. But if we're kicking the field goals, like points matter. I, I mean, we sound like a broken record at this point because it's just we... The points matter. Three points is always going to better better than zero. Do we want seven? Yes. But in a situation where you know this team is on fire, getting three can stop momentum like this. I I just take real ups, exception to Scott. But this is who, but again, they were losing. Like the second one, the first one, it puts them up three possessions. If you want to throw it out on the table, go for the fourth down. You still have two possessions. You're okay. Fine. Then all the freak stuff happens. Okay. But now you have a chance to tie it up. So at least it's even. So if they go and score, you're going to have a chance to just do what they did. Which, by the way, they did. If they had kicked the field goal, it would have ended in a tie. So... It just is exactly the type of thing where you need a human to fix the machine. And that's where technology is right now. Whether these people want to realize that or not, the grocery store self-checkout still needs a, a human there who goes and fixes the machines when they get stuck in the transaction. You know what I mean? Like machines still need someone to tend the machine. And that's where Dan Campbell next year needs to step up to that plate. And the idea like on the second one of I do it again. Well, then in my opinion, you don't deserve to you. I, then you need to be consulted with because that that's no good. That's no good. Well, it's also like uh, in if you're down 14 Instead of if you if you're down 14 and with like two minutes to go and you need obviously two scores, the analytics say to go get the touchdown, go for two, because if you don't get it, you'll get another chance at going for two to tie it. But if you get the two in the first the first try, now you're playing for the win next time you get the ball. That one I have no problem with. See, I have a problem with that because now yeah, it's two 50-50 shots at making it, but. Let's just, like, you need to get the ball back the second time. You don't even know. I No, I okay, just, fine. I, I, no, I understand what you're saying, and it's demoralizing to not get it. And I've seen the teams that go for it that first time, don't get it, and then it's like, ooh, it, like, loses all of its momentum. So I'm with you there. I'm just saying that's more permissible. Like, again, fourth and three, seven minutes left. San Francisco is on a tear. They've just scored 21 unanswered, or maybe even more than that, 24 unanswered. You, you have to stop the bleeding. You have to. 
You have to do that. So Ravens, Detroit, way to absolutely shart your pants publicly in front of everyone. And on Monday, I would have been yelling all this because I was I was disappointed. I was disappointed, Nick. I was disappointed. Well, I will say, dude, at least we got two great uniform matchups. Listen, I'm all on the Chiefs. I want to see Mahomes do really well. So, uh, and I don't. I really don't want to see San Francisco win. I really don't. I'm going to be honest. So, no. The issue with San Fran is they're like the Golden State Warriors of the NFL. They're a super team that shouldn't lose. Yeah. They're stacked from top to bottom. I completely agree. So. They're unlikable. But here's what I will say is interesting and segueing into our next thing, which is the super teams are unlikable. But you know what other teams are unlikable? Teams like the Tampa Bay Rays that just do it as cheap as possible. Yeah, every now and then you get a year where you get a young guy to pop who you're not paying anything for. And then as soon as you get the chance to pay him, you don't do it and he goes somewhere else. And the problem is, is you have these big organizations like Fenway Sports Group who I, I worry, Nick, are setting a new standard. Here's a couple of teams that are now owned by the Fenway Sports Group. So first of all, the Red Sox. We've talked about it before. They have had, well, they just fired a general manager, Heim Bloom. And before that, they had Ben Sherrington. They have been a team that has wildly underachieved and has not spent money on good players and has honestly not developed prospects very well and has just been very disappointing and underwhelming owned by Fenway Sports Group. Penguins were bought by Fenway Sports Group a year ago, maybe even a little bit more. Well, it's just been announced that they are now going through a partial rebuild and are not planning on investing any money at the trade deadline. They're going to be doing everything in-house. Liverpool. If you've been paying anything to the paying attention to the Premier League, they were bought by Fenway Sports Group before Liverpool had their little run of success and won the league. They made a butt ton of money, dude. Butt ton of money. Like Liverpool's value increased tremendously. The past two years have been so difficult with how little they have been willing to spend. And Jurgen Klopp is now stepping down. I think we mentioned, did I mention this? Did we mention this last week with the exhaustion? Yes, we did. But here's the thing that, that he is stepping down because he has made, uh, you know, dog poop into diamonds, dude, trying to make this team as competitive as it can be. And it's been so exhausting for him. And I'm sure the exhausting part, like we can relate to, is going to the uppers and being like, this is what needs to happen, guys. And they're just not doing it, Nick. They're just not doing it. And what I worry about, is this going to become something that we see much more? I, it's a wonderful question. I'm going to talk strictly on the baseball side of it because baseball, there is such a bigger sample size, 162 game season and analytics really do. They really are being refined and, perfected in baseball and I know there's analytics in all sports but baseball is really they've been doing it since 2010 Statcast came out in 2012 so the Rays are interesting and the Rays are an interesting case study because their development I think is better than anyone in the MLB period, point blank. Like, there's at least four guys every year that come out of that raised bullpen. Especially, like, I was just going to say, especially pitching. I agree with you. Here, But here's the thing with the Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays, if you go look right now, you can get a ticket for $3, and then you can move that seat up into the third row. Fenway Park costs $200 minimum for a ticket. And so we're paying $200, $200 minimum for a ticket. And then we're not spending big on free agents. And it's not like, so in most sports, for those of you who don't know, there's a salary cap. 
and I think we talked about this a while ago, but there's a salary cap. You can't go above, let's say, $200 million for your entire roster. Well, in baseball, there is no salary cap. So teams that have rich, 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 rich owners, which obviously they're all super rich, but a step above that level, like the Boston Red Sox, whose franchise is the third highest Fenway sports group it's it's massive massively wealthy so they can afford these players if you can't afford it if you're an Oakland A's team if you're a Tampa Bay Rays team if and you you don't get fans you people people don't and this is going to sound bad but people don't care about your team okay go the analytic route spend it but if you can spend it and there's a Shohei Otani out there for 700 million Go get him. If there's a Juan Soto out there for four hundred million, go get him. Well, you can afford it. Let's let's give kudos. Good for the Padres for what they did last year. It totally blew up in their face. Juan Soto, Tatis, Bogarts. That was exciting. The team did not live up to it at all, but that was an exciting thing. I I tuned into. Again, I bought the MLB package at the beginning of the year last year, Nick, because I wanted to watch a bunch of baseball. And part of it was because of teams like the Padres, who had invested so much. I was like, that's going to be a fun team to watch. So I guess the, to the, the long-winded answer, or the long-winded answer to your question is, I don't think teams are going the Tampa Bay Ray route, because here's what I'll say. Who are the best players? Juan Soto, Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani. What all, where, all, where are they in the stat cast rankings, guess what? They're the best players in the stat cast rankings. So teams can't go the Tampa Bay route. I think Tampa Bay can do what they do because they develop so well. But being cheap, if you're going to be cheap, you need to develop. And I agree. The Red Sox do have a really good farm system right now. But we we really haven't proven that we have can grow talent since our 2018 team. Well, I just want to say this. We have decent field players in our uh, development, but we our pitching is, from what well, I understand, so not yeah. ranked very well at all. It's As a Red Sox fan, it's frustrating. But I, I don't think teams are going to go the Tampa Bay Ray route because they're impossible to replicate. So they don't they have the do coaching think... staff. That's what it is, is Tampa Bay has well, the team. Or the, the coaching team. Yeah, and... I don't know what they do. Like, dude, I they have the secret sauce because no team is able to replicate what the Rays do, and they all try. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it's true. They, I mean that, and that's my point. Is you know, I'm gonna be honest with you. Baseball had a good year last year. Say what you want about Diamondbacks in Texas, but it it was a good year. Dela Cruz was exciting. Miami was an exciting team for a little bit. There was some good stuff. Even the Pirates had their moments. Telling you, it, it was it was a, the the Atlanta Braves. You know, there was all sorts of stuff going on there. So I think they'll have another good year. But I really hope that you know teams like the Red Sox. I don't know. Just that if you're gonna do the Tampa thing. I want more Randy Rosarenas. I want more exciting pop players like that that come out of nowhere. Well, that's the issue. We don't have the player development. So, what? But what can the Red Sox do that ninety-five percent of the other teams can't do? They can, they spend, can the spend, but they can spend the money. where being cheap, little losers. Like you're already billionaires. Like guess what? If you paid seven hundred million dollars for Shohei Otani, you're gonna get that money back and then some because of how. V- how much monetary value he brings. Yeah. So, look. The Rays are going to do the Rays. Did you just fart? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> Yo, dude. Can you, bro. Speaking of farts, bro. So, me and Jake. this I'm about to go on a tangent. This was for the end of the pod, but I'm bringing it up now. <laughs> me and Jake bowl on Thursdays. And there's this fire deal, bro, on the Taco Bell app. And if you're not on it, dude, get on it. It's like $32. You get like four of like three different items. You get like four beefy li- I was glad burritos. for the cinnamon twist, dude. Those were, those cinnamon twists. I got the cinnamon twist for you, bro. Appreciate that. And I ate them all. Um, <laughs> dude, what I did to to those burritos might have been illegal. <laughs> dude. Certain I states. I was housing them things. 
No, so first off, I had a student yesterday, or on thir- <laughs> yeah, yesterday, and he pooped his pants. Okay, no big it deal. Happens. Kids poop. Happens. Kids poop their pants. No hate. If I had a dollar for well, every me- poopy pants, dude. We'd ha- I would have one dollar right now, this year, but I mean, whatever. No, so dude, I went to the bathroom just to like check on him, dude. That dude committed a war crime on the toilet, bro. Dude, I whoa, that was my reaction. I said, "Everything good in here?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I said, "All right, I'm out." Okay. So, th- guess who committed a war crime this morning at work? Thank God Jake was late, dude. The noise I made, it was one of those <laughs> on the toilet, dude. Bro, the best part is is okay. This is this is bad, but we were t- we like had this five minute period because we talked about the distance last week, and it's just we're just living trauma together is really what it is. That's why we're like getting so close, but now also like having these moments of like whatever. And so today we like started over a five minute period. Or at least I was trying to text you stuff that would just make you like laugh out loud when you weren't supposed to be doing it. And Nick has his read receipts on. So I know when he's like on his phone, like, like, hey, I'm here. Like, let's do it. So we're going back and forth. So I said some ridiculous stuff and he goes, dude, I made the toilet boogaloo boogaloo and you're spelling, dude. (laughs) Slayed me, bro. Slayed me. Oh my gosh. Dude. The spelling. Got me with the spell check, dude. Oh my gosh, that was Bro. too much. Boogle, yeah, boogle, yeah. Boogle. So, <laughs> so look, Taco Bell, you need to eat it within 30 to 45 minutes or God bless your soul. I think I started by saying like the Taco Bell is fighting its way out of my body and it's it's rough. Oh, you know <laughs> yeah, what I, I think- said? I sent him because I had meetings this morning. So I had to sit there and be all professional with and so I said I'm sitting here in this meeting as this is me sitting here in this meeting as the Taco Bell is fighting its way out of my body. And then I sent him the picture of the dog in the house full of fire. Me being like, it's okay. I'm not going to poop my pants during this meeting where, you know, the expected uh, poop your pants percentage was above, was higher than Detroit's percentage of getting that fourth down. I'll tell you that. Tell you that right now, Nick. Dude. Let's talk about how much Kevin Durant sucks. Kevin Durant sucks, dude. And there is no word in English. We're not going to look at... I was thinking of looking at a list of foreign insults. I need to refine it. There is no word in English for it, but that dude's a ding-dong. That's all I got you for You know what right I now. just told? Dude, we were leaving soccer today, and I said... They were like, who's your favorite player? I said, dude, my favorite player of all time, and you're going to get mad at this, is Kevin Durant. I was Durant. like, don't but say Kevin Durant, dude. Are you serious? He's starting to make me annoyed. Like, yo, his answers... Oh, yeah, dude. All teams should retire my jersey. Like, all the teams I played for. He's a I'm punk. Like, dog, dog you, you played for Brooklyn. God, he's a punk. Three years. Got your got yourself traded away. And I don't blame you, dude. You were playing with Kyrie Irving, dude. Psycho. Like, I wouldn't get near that dude with a 20-foot radioactive pole, bro. But, look, Kevin Durant is not doing himself any favors. I just, he's, he's just a, a loser and, like, a consummate loser. And I know he won in Golden State, but he, he, you know, just loser. He, he does have a tweet that says, Scarlett Johansson, let me drink your bath water. Ew. Like, that's yeah. weird. Um, so, what's the guy's name? The drive through guy? The sketch comedy guy? Do you know what his name oh is? Oh, my God. All right, look it up uh, while I tell the story. So, Long story short, you've all seen this video of this Tim Robinson. Tim Robinson. He has a sketch comedy show. Last night, it turns out it's on Netflix. By the way, do you know, Nick, that Netflix now has ads? No, it doesn't. Dude, Netflix has ads now. Oh, well, my mom pays for it. Shout out, Barb. Barb's uh, got the premium, and God bless you. She's definitely got the premium. God bless you. I said to Melanie last night, I said, I will give away all of our pets. Get me that premium. I don't want this 15 second ad in my face right now. Hey, we're watching Tim Johnson's sketch show, which is hilarious. Tim Robinson. Tim Robinson. Highly suggested. Very absurd. Somewhat offensive. Perfect. And one of them 
is baby of the year. It's like it's like a you know a pageant show for these little babies, and one of the babies people are just yelling obscenities of and are like you know he's the one that no one wants to win and it's they take it to a place which is hilarious but also absurd. But a pediatrician comes out and he's like just old crusty doctor and he starts saying like things about the babies and one of the things he says about one of the babies is like oh presents with a flat head and Melanie my wife goes like wait whoa whoa whoa. I've heard about this before, like, because when you hear that a woman says or a mom says that my baby's so well behaved, da, 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 like they need to be careful because if they don't pick up their baby a lot, like they don't have need to pick up their baby a lot and they lay down on the back of their head a lot, they can get flat heads. And I was like, oh, okay. She's like, and the thing is, is when I learned this. I remembered that my mom used to say that about my sister and I all the time. So, dude, I outstretched my hand and I felt it. And I'm telling you, dude. And Melanie was like, if I was bald, I would it would be bad. And I was like, I can feel how bad it is. So anyway, that listen, anyone out there, you got a well-behaved baby. Pick it up right now. Go pick it up. I don't care if you're driving. Pick, pick that baby up. it up. Okay, whether it's crying or not, pick it up. All right. And this show's called I Think You Should Leave is what that oh, show is called. fantastic. I Think You Should Leave. Fantastic. All right. Booga Luga. We did that. Shout out to all the people, Nick. Do it. Dude, yeah. Shout out to everyone who uh, reached out um, for the classified ads, which is literally zero people. And yeah. You know who you are. Well, and and the good news is we're still hiring. So, you know, don't worry, everyone. You haven't missed it. Okay? You haven't missed it, and you're still not getting paid. Haven't missed it. (laughs) Pay is still the same. Details are still the same. We're going to jump out of here, but we love y'all. Been a great time. And uh, we'll have more ridiculousness next week as we prepare for the Super Bowl. Super Bowl edition next week, Nick. Okay? Can't wait. Keep it easy. All right, bye. Peace.